We got a big victory for racial and sexual justice yesterday when United Airlines tweeted out, quote, our flight deck should reflect the diverse group of people on board our planes every day. That's why we plan for 50% of the 5,000 pilots we train in the next decade to be women or people of color. This is very important because what they're saying is they're going to be implementing a, a new reinvigorated affirmative action program for airplane pilots, people whose job it is to uh, shuttle hundreds of people at a, a time at hundreds of miles per hour through the sky in a tin can. And if they're focusing on race and sex, they're obviously not focusing on the best pilots. It's not purely a meritocracy, but that's okay because it's it's a matter of racial justice. And I, I, I just can foresee it that when that plane, you know, God forbid someday is going down and everyone's screaming, I'm going to be the Nathan Hale of affirmative action. I'm going to say my only regret is that I have but one life to give for diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday, speaking of racially charged matters, comes from old school who says there are two possible outcomes that will, will happen in the streets once the Chauvin verdict is read in the George Floyd case. One, riots, robbing, and burning in anger. Or two, riots, robbing, and burning in celebration. I th- <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I think you're right. We know that number one is possible. You had a BLM activist say that on TikTok and it went viral saying all hell's going to break loose if you, if you let this guy off or, or even if he doesn't get the harshest sentence. But also, yes, if the, if it's a celebration, we've seen plenty of celebratory riots over the years. I fear this one will be no different. Nothing says justice quite like burning down someone's small business, right? Nothing says justice quite like attacking civilians. Not, you don't, you want to do that. You want to stay safe. By the way, when you want to stay safe in your home, you got to check out Ring. So much is going on at our front door these days, especially for me, because I have my sweet little newborn baby, little June. So I'm going to have people coming over. They're going to be delivering food. Well, that's great. I'm glad to know that. I'll open the door. There are going to be people delivering toys and clothing for the, oh, great. Yeah, come on in. There are going to be in-laws at the door and it would be good to know that is what I'm saying before you go to open the door. With Ring, you can do that. You can see and speak to whoever is at your door, whether you are in your office, maybe you are at your bedroom, maybe you are on a beach somewhere on the other side of the world. By the way, with motion detection, you will get notified even if the people at the door do not ring the doorbell. If someone stops by, if something's going on, Ring is going to let you know. Makes me feel really safe when I travel out of town. I know that sweet little Lisa, cute little June are safe. It's also a great housewarming gift because it's futuristic, it's cool, it keeps your friends safe and not that expensive, which is my favorite part. Right now, get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Knowles. Comes with Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro, which is the perfect way to upgrade your front door and start your Ring experience. Go to ring.com slash Knowles, ring.com slash Knowles. I understand certain arguments for affirmative action in certain areas of society, areas where you know, it doesn't really matter that much because like there, there is such a thing as historical grievance. There is, uh, we're conservatives. We recognize that the past has some effect on, on the future and on the present. So, you know, I, I can understand it. When you get into the particulars of the left's arguments for affirmative action, I think it falls apart, but sure, some parts of society at the ice cream shop, 
If there's a affirmative action, oh, okay. That doesn't really affect how I eat my mint chocolate chip, right? It's not a big deal. At, uh, oh, I don't know, at the uh, bus station. You know, it's still, you're still in a moving vehicle, but you know, you're moving kind of slowly. You should, you should be all right. On the airplanes, I really, I, I think you should focus on merit. I think you should just have a, a rigorous test. Yeah, I don't know how to fly an airplane. I, do, I wouldn't pass that test. Just a rigorous test to make sure that I don't drop out of the sky in the name of some fashionable leftist idea. But all the corporations are going woke. It's not just United Airlines. It's Delta Airlines, which came out against the voters of Georgia trying to protect their elections. It's Coca-Cola, same issue. It's Major League Baseball. It's Harry's Razors, for goodness sakes, doesn't want to have any relationship with conservatives. They want to take our money, but they hate our guts and they want to badmouth us and say that we're contemptible and inexcusable. It's all these corporations. What do we do about it? There, I think there are three conservative responses. There's the squishiest conservative response, which is, well, you know, we don't want to make this all political and uh, we like their products and we're not going to face any consequences. Take my buddy, Harry's, please. Right. That's the, as you can see, I'm not exactly uh, giving the strongest version of this argument, but I think I'm getting the point across. Then there is the tougher response, which is they don't want my money. They don't get my money. They want to boycott us. We're going to boycott them. They're going to undermine our politics. We're going to undermine them. That is the argument that Rand Paul is giving out right now. Take a listen. Well, you know, they started it. Major League Baseball wants to boycott the whole state of Georgia, including Atlanta. They've already gotten rid of the all-star game and the draft. And they're doing it because they don't like a Republican law, a law that actually expands voting and doesn't contract voting. Uh, Georgia now has more early voting than New York has. So it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Even the facts don't, mate, don't meet what they're, what they're trying to do. But my point is, yeah, if they want to boycott us, why don't we boycott them? This is the only thing that will teach them a lesson. If Coca-Cola wants to only operate in Democrat states and wants only Democrats to drink Coca-Cola, God love them. We'll see how why they do when half of the country quits drinking Coca-Cola, when half the country quits using Delta. Yeah. So the thing is, is they're all woke, but they're really doing something that is against the financial interest of every business. Publicly traded businesses usually don't get involved with politics because it hurts their bottom exactly. line to make half the country unhappy. So good stuff from Senator Paul. I agree. We should definitely not fork our money over to people who hate us. Makes perfect sense. This is kind of the libertarian answer, which is you boycott us, we're going to boycott you. Okay. But there is a further possibility here, which is use the state, which is use politics and the political power we have to, at the very least, deprive these corporations of the special privileges that they've been given. Because whatever we would like to tell ourselves and and whatever Republicans have told themselves for, for 20 years, The free market does not always operate in the freest of ways. And very often big business has a pretty tight relationship to big government. And Delta, for instance, has a pretty tight relationship with the government of Georgia. That's why the Georgia State House right now just voted to revoke some of their special tax incentives and tax breaks that that only Delta gets that that are not standard tax breaks across the board. That was the right response. If Delta is going to get special treatment from our political system, because they bring certain jobs to Georgia or whatever, then when they try to undermine Georgia's election laws, 
then they need to have that special treatment revoked. We need to get involved politically, not just with our wallets. It's good to get involved with our wallets too, but we also need to get involved politically when these woke corporations are, as Mitch McConnell said yesterday, establishing a parallel government. We need to go in there and prevent them from undermining our politics. No question about it. Senator Paul thinks, I think these days somewhat naively, that these woke corporations are really afraid of, you know, get woke, go broke, this really affecting their bottom line. I don't think they are. I don't think they care all that much. Maybe marginally they do. But isn't it weird? We know that people support voter ID, for instance. We know that the vast majority of Americans support voter ID. We know that 70% of black people support voter ID, even though voter ID is being called the new Jim Crow and white supremacist or whatever. And yet, when the people of Georgia, through their elected representatives, pass election integrity laws that call for, among other things, voter ID, the woke corporations all come out against it. Why do they do that? We know that the majority of Americans want to control our southern border. They want not just to dramatically reduce illegal immigration, but they want to dramatically reduce legal immigration as well, according to recent Harvard-Harris polls. So you've got the majority of Americans, a huge number of Democrats, coming out and saying, we, we want to protect our border, and yet all the woke corporations are for open borders. Why is that? Well, there, there's a, obviously a financial incentive, which is that the big corporations get cheap labor from foreign nationals pouring into our country. But as a PR matter, as just pure politics, pure optics, why do they do it? They do it because the radicals have attained what Antonio Gramsci, the brilliant Marxist theorist and communist politician from the 1920s, what he called cultural hegemony, or they're at least very close to attaining that because the radicals have engaged in what's called a war of position where they've attained influential positions throughout the whole culture, not just in government, but in education and in big business and in big tech and all over the place. And now they're wielding that power. So it doesn't matter. 70% of black people support voter ID. Too bad. We, we don't, and we're the ones in power. The majority of Americans support dramatically reducing immigration numbers, protecting our border. Too bad. We don't care what you think. We're the ones in power. Who's going to stop us? Where are you going to go? You're going to run out of soda companies. There aren't that many airlines. You're going to stop watching baseball. Maybe we don't care. All the sports are going to do it. That is a political problem and that will not be solved simply by you putting your wallet away and not giving them your money anymore. It's a good, it's a good place to start, but that's not, not the only place it's going to go. There, there was a Daily Wire poll that just came out on this. Daily Wire conducted a poll on the MLB asking this question, is what the MLB is doing right now alienating you as a fan? 64% of Americans, including a majority of baseball fans, Delta Airline customers, and Coca-Cola consumers, told the researchers that they are less likely to support companies and organizations that insert themselves into political issues and debates. 70% of all respondents agree with this statement. Corporations and sports teams should generally stay out of politics. Oh, great. Great. Terrific. Or, or we're going to send that poll now to Coca-Cola and that's going to stop this, right? No, they're not going to stop. I mean, it's, I, I'm glad that we have these numbers because it, to me, it just totally puts the political situation into perspective. Where is political opinion in this country? I think political opinion, generally speaking, is with conservatives on a whole lot of issues. But where is political power in this country? 
not with conservatives. Political power is with the liberal establishment, which controls everything. Everything. The one carve out, I guess, was talk radio. Talk radio, though, has been declining for a while. So the replacement for talk radio was new media. Who controls new media? Well, conservatives do really well on new media. Thank you to everybody who listens to this show. You've made it a a very large show with a lot of listeners. But who controls it? Big tech can take me off, can take Ben off, can take Bongino off, can take any of us off in two seconds. They haven't yet, or they've, occasionally they'll do it. You know, they'll punish us. They'll shut down the certain social media platform or they'll kick us off this network. But they're the ones with the political control. And what they're trying to do, what they're encouraging all of us to do is to self-censor. Don't go there. Don't say, don't say this. Don't touch the transgender topic. Don't touch immigration. Now, obviously I'm not going to listen to them, but those conservatives who don't listen to them, eventually they face consequences for that. Requires a political solution. You know, when you, I, I wish that we could just do all of these things for ourselves. If you want to do a very important thing for yourself and fix up your car, you got to check out rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is so much easier than walking into a store and someone demanding quick answers to things like, hey, Michael, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? I don't know what kind of X my Odyssey is. I don't even drive an Odyssey. What are you asking me that for? Then they'll go into the back. They will never have the parts. They will go online. Where are they going to go? Probably rockauto.com. They're going to order the part and then they're going to charge you twice as much. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense when you could skip all of that hassle and humiliation. Go to rockauto.com, a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over there to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The prices are always reliably low. It's not like on Tuesday, it's going to be this percent off. And then Wednesday is then you got to time it. Nope. It's just always reliably low. The same prices for pros as for do-it-yourselfers. They've got every every part that you need. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Believe it or not, their catalog is so easy to navigate. Even I can do it. That is really saying something. Then write Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. What's going on in Major League Baseball right now shows you the suddenness and the gravity of this cultural shift. Because Major League Baseball, the irony, of course, is they pull, major, they pull the All-Star game out of Georgia and bring it to Colorado in the name of racial justice and voting rights. Colorado is a much whiter state and Colorado has more restrictive voting laws than Georgia. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter because Colorado's got a Democrat governor, Georgia's got a Republican governor. The MLB doing this irritates, certainly conservatives, irritates people of all races, irritates baseball fans and even irritates the ex-commissioner of Major League Baseball, Faye Vincent. So Faye Vincent was the commissioner of Major League Baseball. He just came out strongly against the current commissioner of baseball. Why? So the current, the current commissioner is Robert Manfred. Faye Vincent comes out against him, not just in a little interview, like, oh, whoops, you know, he's asked this question. He wasn't ready. He, no, Faye Vincent wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal knowing that all the owners of all the baseball teams are going to be reading that op-ed. And he wrote, quote, the talk shows and editorial pages are full of questions. What is the basis for acting so forcefully against Georgia by Major League Baseball? If Georgia is racist, how can baseball talk of doing business with China? Mr. Manfred failed to spell out specific criticisms of Georgia's voting law. 
Now he's put himself in the awkward position of having to defend Colorado's voting laws. During my time as commissioner, I learned that the American people view baseball as a public trust. Very important phrase here. They want the game to stand for the best and noblest of our national virtues. They see baseball as the repository of their dreams, even as they root for their favorite teams. They don't want and won't accept anything that separates them from the game's history and leadership. Beautifully well put. And a very important political point here, much broader than just Major League Baseball. Public trust. I love baseball. It's the only sport that I like. It's the only sport that I have ever consistently watched. There is something about baseball that is very American. The history is so rich. You think about these great Americans, Babe Ruth, even a little Lou Gehrig, a little later, Mickey Mantle. Wow. Oh, the histories, the history of the franchises, how they've changed. You can trace them. The Brooklyn Dodgers, I'm originally a New Yorker, then they become the LA Dodgers. I lived in LA for a long time. Wow. You can trace that. I collected baseball cards. I've got signed balls. The, the, The sport is so cerebral. Sometimes they say that baseball is the only sport you can get fatter while playing because it's a lot of it has to do with what's going on in the brain. It's got all these arcane rules that have developed organically over time. Rules that are rarely invoked. The infield fly rule, for instance. It's got all this, you know, these imperfections. It's not totally standardized. Fenway is different than Yankee Stadium. It's a lot different than the old Yankee Stadium. All the, all the different ballparks are different. Wow. Oh my gosh. How rich, how complex. We love it. It's America's favorite pastime, right? It's America's game. It's about a love of country. And now some woke idiots are ruining it. When, when BLM took over the NFL and Colin Kaepernick made everyone start disrespecting the American flag, one thing I said was, at least it's not happening to baseball. Baseball's going to hold out. Baseball's a conservative sport. And it, and baseball did hold out for a few years. I think there was one schmucky guy who, who took a knee, but the rest stood up all races, all places. But then baseball started to cave and it was real. It wasn't even the players. It was the it was the bureaucrats. It was the administrators of baseball. It was guys like this stupid commissioner, Manfred. Breaking that public trust. Society works when we can trust each other, when we can trust in the institutions that run society, the the government institutions and the so-called private institutions, which often aren't all that private, and the traditions, the rituals, cookouts on the 4th of July, the World Series, right? Things that we all do together that are part of our common culture because we're not just individual atoms floating around in the world doing whatever we want. Baseball right now, Major League Baseball is, is breaking that public trust. They are they, sports generally, but baseball right now in particular. They are doing something that we might say, well, it's a trivial game. Who cares? No, but just tune it out. Those games matter. <laughs> Those common rituals matter. They always, they always have mattered to the patriotic life of a country. Now we say, what public, what people, what public trust, what, what do we have in common? In America, there's always been this fault line on race in America going back, frankly, going back to, to even Plymouth colony, you know, going back to the, the English settlers come here and they've got some kind of at times, very good relationships with the Indians, then some more difficult relationships, then there are wars that break out. Then black slaves come here. Obviously that creates a big racial issue. 
Then a lot of immigration in the 19th and 20th centuries, that creates certain issues, but there's some assimilation. Okay, that's great. So we, the, there's, there's never really been a common race and, and, and race is kind of tricky to pin down. There was a common language. We don't really have that anymore. There was a common religion, broadly speaking. We don't really have that anymore. There were common rituals. We don't really have that anymore. We're not even allowed to go out in public. What rituals? We're not allowed. Joe Biden is saying, maybe we'll let you have a small party on the 4th of July. May, oh, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Dr. Fauci. We're not, we're not allowed to do things together. Public houses, right? That's what a pub is. The public house, those are closed. You're not really allowed to go in there. You're not really allowed to hang out at a bar, at least not in a lively way like we used to be able to. Schools, no, those are largely closed. Churches, heavily regulated. What public? What people? We don't even have a border. You're not, you're not even allowed the most basic right as someone, a, a citizen of a nation. We're not even allowed to say who gets to come in and join the nation. That's called racist or whatever. And the, the current regime is not even enforcing that most basic law. So, for instance, we have these illegal aliens pouring over the border. Uh, two illegal immigrants from Yemen were just arrested by U.S. Customs and Border Protection near Calexico, California. Both men included in the FBI's terrorism watch list and the no-fly list, according to CBP. So I'm really glad that these CBP guys were able to catch them. How many more people are pouring over? Not just the poor, persecuted, you know, six-year-old babe coming in from Guatemala that, that the left wants to pretend constitutes the entire, the entirety of, of this crisis right now at the border, but grown Yemeni terrorists coming in, we would, we would have no idea in many cases if they were to get through. Thankfully, CBP caught them here. Goodness gracious, there's a video going around the internet right now that shows that Alex Jones, the radio host, is doing possibly a better job at catching illegal aliens than uh, catching and bringing to consequence illegal aliens than Joe Biden is. This video, I don't really know. Take a listen to this video and then I, I would be curious to know what you think about it. This video of Alex Jones walking around with a camera crew allegedly catches some staffer for some organization loading a bunch of foreign children into the back of an SUV. Take a listen. You got a car seat for them? You got a car seat? That's illegal, bro. Where are you taking these kids? That's illegal. If you get in a traffic accident, those kids are going to get hurt. Where are you taking these kids? You have a car seat. That's illegal. How is this, how is this Christian? Hey, we need the police over here. They got a bunch of kids without a car seat. You're violating Texas law. Who, who, who is this right here? Hey. You have hey. no comment. So you this got is those Christ children right. there illegally. You're about to run a human being over. Hey, you got those you? children in there. Who are you? You got who those smuggled you? children illegally. Who are you? Sir, no, their seatbelts seat aren't even on. Where are you taking the these children? Sir, identify yourself. Who are you? Hit me. I'll tell you right who do you work for? Are you part of this organization? No, sir. So you don't know where these kids are going? They're going to check the COVID over there. No, no, they, they came from over there. They're not being checked for COVID. So you don't know who you work for? We need to call the police. We need to call the police right now. I want to know where these kids are going. You are violating state law. Alex Jones, first of all, one of the greatest broadcasters of our age. <laughs> you know, he says some things that are pretty out there. But as we'll see, some of the out there things he says actually turn out to be true. But I, I don't know because I know that Alex Jones is a showman. 
So I don't know if this video is legit, if he actually caught them. It's kind of weird that he had the whole camera crew with him. But on the flip side of that, the video might be true. It might be real because there are so many illegal aliens being pouring over the border right now and people are looking the other way very often in our political class. So it it seems weird that they're just packing these kids in the back of an SUV. They're not really in seats. They're just kind of flooding in there. What is it? I don't know. Was it, was it staged or is it just that there's lots of people crossing the border and Alex Jones is an effective communicator and, and called people's attention to this? I think it's undeniable that we have this, this problem at the border. The only reason that the video is plausible is because we all know that this is happening right now. So what is the political class going to do about it? Probably very little. Uh, Very often the political class wants to exacerbate these tensions. Ben's going to be talking about this today. The prosecution against Derek Chauvin, the cop involved in the death of George Floyd. Uh, Ben's take is that the prosecution is collapsing. You can check that out on Ben's show. Also, Candace Owens' show streams tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on dailywire.com. You can also get the audio podcast Candace at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you need some Candace Owens in your feed, look no further. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe today. Also, be sure to leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. I would definitely tune in tomorrow night. There's just an amazing guest on there. There is a guest I felt so eloquent, brilliant, handsome. Go check it out on Candace. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. So my instinct, when I see a big viral Alex Jones moment, whether it's a rant or it's something like this, this immigration issue, I usually think, okay, look, he's a showman. This is over the top. This, no, this can't be true. He said things that aren't true. This can't be true. And then sometimes the liberal elites prove him right. (laughs) They do. I don't even know if he was right at the time. But they, uh, the liberal elites end up proving him right. A classic example of this is the gay frogs. Alex Jones famously said, they're turning the friggin' frogs gay. And everyone said, how are they turning the frogs gay? And then it turns out there actually was, a, there was a study done by Yale and the EPA that some chemicals that were being poured into the water in Connecticut were, they were not turning the frogs gay. They were actually turning them trans. They were turning them hermaphroditic. If anything, Alex Jones was, was too uh, reticent <laughs> to describe what was going on. He was too subdued and modest in his, uh, his diagnosis of the situation. Well, there's another example of this. So there was a clip during the presidential debates, Alex Jones making the allegation that liberal elites uh, get blood transfusions to refresh their dying bodies with the blood of young people. Take a listen. Biden obviously is way plumped up. I would imagine blood transfusions. That's the most, by the way, that's not speculation. That's the most common thing that elites do is blood transfusions. The Queen of England, the Queen Mother, Prince Charles, the the Democrats, uh, Joe Biden uh, is not on record doing it, but we know the Clintons do it. We know that Al Gore does it. We know all this goes on. So the plumping, him suddenly looking like he gained like five pounds. That's a lot of blood in my experience and the rosying of the cheeks. I mean, he gained, he's been missing like a week. He gained a lot of weight. Uh, and I would imagine methamphetamine as well, but I would imagine it's blood uh, that he was getting. Uh, that's my expert analysis of that. 
that's the, the expert analysis, right? Oh, Alex, that's so crazy. What are you talking about? Rich elites get the blood trans. No, Newsweek, what are you? Newsweek headline, can blood from young people slow aging? Silicon Valley has bet billions that it will. So just to be clear, uh, no, no proof here that uh, Joe Biden or the royal family or, or these people are plumping themselves up on, on the blood of the young. But there is evidence that these rich liberal elites want to take young people's blood and put it in their bodies and presumably plump themselves up with it. You got to give the guy credit when he, <laughs> when he in his sort of over the top manner, I guess, sees something. This seems like a bad idea to me, the, the putting the blood of young people into old rich people. Because presumably you're not putting rich young people's blood into rich old people. Or presumably there's going to be some financial incentive here so you get paid for your blood or something. So it's just these rich old people buying the blood of poor young people. It seems weird to me. If your entire goal in life is just to extend your physical existence, to try to beat mortality. Well, one, that seems like a fool's errand to me, but it's pretty ghoulish. I mean, it's basically the most ghoulish thing I can possibly imagine. And it comes from this state religion that we have, which is secular progressivism, secular materialism, the idea that this is all there is, the physical world, that's all there is, all of our metaphysical hopes and dreams and loves and longings, they're just illusions. When we die, we turn to worm food. We take a dirt nap. I'm going to be talking about this established state church of secular progressivism tonight. I'm going to be giving a a speech in Florida, bastion of freedom there. I'm going to be going to Ave Maria University. This is our first speech back uh, since COVID. You know, I, I do a tour with the Young America's Foundation, tour of campuses. I was supposed to do at least a dozen, if not 20 campuses last year. I think the goal was 10 per semester. So we're going to try to do 20. Had a ton already on the calendar early on in January, February. I'd already done one or two schools and then COVID happened and that shut down all the universities and that was it. And it was over. I have not been on a college campus in 14 months because of COVID. That ends tonight. We will be discussing the perverse secular religion that, that caused all of that. But it, this is, th- this blood transfusions from young people, this is part of a neurotic fear of death that we have. The reason we shut down the country over the Wu flu is because of a neurotic fear of death. We have faced other epidemics in this country, some of them much worse than the coronavirus. We've never shut down the country. We've never canceled all of our holidays. We've never stopped burying our dead and having weddings. And we've never muzzled all of ourselves for years at a time. And we're doing that now because we used to have faith and we used to have courage and we used to have virtues and we used to recognize that you're not going to defeat germs and death. You can take prudent precautions to protect yourself, but ultimately our bodies are not going to last forever. And now we don't believe that or we're too terrified to believe that because we don't recognize that, that there is more to life than just breathing. There's more, there, there is more between heaven and earth that is dreamt of in our materialist philosophy. I think finally, some people are waking up. There was a video that went, went viral yesterday of some people in a restaurant. They're sitting around, they're having, having a nice meal. 
and in walk the health inspectors. And the health inspectors want to shut down this business, want to shut down people having a good time. They are the enforcers of the state religion of secular scientific progressivism. And you will comply. You will obey. And the people in the restaurant, they say, no thanks, G-T-F-O. Perfect way to handle it. If you couldn't hear at the very beginning, the woman says, hey, um, so you're trespassing on my property and you need to leave my property (laughs) right now. Man, the cojones on that woman. If, if even a fraction of the squishy men in this country had the gullions that that lady has, we would be in a much better place as a society. And then all the people in the restaurant, get out, get, this is how all of these health inspectors should be greeted when they walk into private places. I'm not saying we go full Maxine Waters here. I'm not saying you get up on them and you mob them. And I'm no, I'm not saying we do that. I'm saying that you very forcefully, very confidently, very assertively and determinedly tell them to get out. They are not wanted there. I don't think you should physically intimidate them. I don't think you should mob up on them, but you should be crystal clear. You don't care what they think. I don't, I, I, I'll speak for myself. I don't care what they think. I don't care what the health inspectors think. I don't care what Dr. Fauci thinks. I am not going to abide by their unreasonable guidelines, which more and more would seem to be mandates with the binding force of law, even though they seem to be passed through really bizarre means, not through the traditional constitutional order. And that you're not going to listen to them. If, if even a quarter of the people in this country had the clarity and the courage that those people in that restaurant had, the country would be reopened. But unfortunately, we're in a country with a bunch of neurotics who don't, don't have the same kind of gumption that, that a lot of these people do. This brings me to a slightly tangential point right now, but I do want to address it because I, I see this a lot on the internet. A lot of conservatives get this. What you hear from disingenuous liberals when conservatives and Christians do this sort of thing. And they say, yeah, we're not going to muzzle ourselves forever. We're not going to abide by Dr. Fauci. We're not going to abide by that state religion. They're going to say, you know, you're not very pro-life. You're not very Christian. This isn't very Christian of you. And they'll say, you know what? And they'll take like some misstated paraphrasing of Jesus, one line in the gospel, and then use that to try to own the Christian. You know, they'll say, you're not a good Christian. It's always these secular atheists doing it. Very often, liberals who, who object to conservative Christians' politics will accuse them of not being good Christians. I, I raise this question with them. I've never gotten a good answer, but I think this is the way to, to respond to them. You have to ask them, do you think Christianity is good or bad? And usually what you're going to hear is they're, they're going to say, well, I mean, if they're being honest, at least they'll say, well, yeah, I don't think it's good. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not Christian, but, you, but, you, but you're not being a good Christian. 
You say, okay, well, if you, if you think Christianity is bad and you think that you're a better, a better Christian than me, even though you're not really a Christian, then aren't I better than you? And then that will confuse them for a second. Or you're going to see like a little twitching or something. And then they might take a different tack. They might say, well, look, you're, I'm not a Christian, but you know, I'm more Christian than you. You're a, you're a, a bad Christian. You say, okay, do you think Christianity is good? And they'll say, yes. You say, okay, your Christianity is good. Do you practice Christianity? They'll say no, right? If they're being honest. You say, okay, so you, so Christianity is good, but you don't do it. So you're, you're admitting that you are not pursuing the good. You are not interested in doing the good. So why should I listen to you? Well, uh, I, mm, and they're going to stammer and they're going to, and it, it gets to a little bit of what, what you would call the transcendentals. You know, sometimes you hear people say, we, we want to pursue the good, the true, and the beautiful. There's a relationship between the good, the true, and the beautiful. And unity, by the way. <laughs> unity is also a transcendental. Now we exalt diversity, but actually unity is, is the transcendental. And these things all have a relationship to one another. The good is beautiful, is true. There's a unity there. I think we need to be a little more uh, confrontational. Not physically, not violent. I'm not saying any of that. But we need to know what we believe down to the bottom. We have gotten away in, in the conservative movement for about 20 years on just shallow nonsense, on just you do you, just don't make me pay for it. Well, maybe Fauci has a point. If you want to wear the mask, if you want to obey by this, if you want to, we're all separate, we're all different. We have nothing in common. Just let me pursue my own interest or something. No, that, that is not a coherent politics. That, it, that does not a coherent nation make. We can't do this sort of thing. The political issue, I was talking about this on C-SPAN yesterday. I was on the C-SPAN show, Washington Journal, and some callers called in and called me pompous and offensive and all sorts of things. But I, I felt we ended up having a pretty good discussion. The political issues have cultural effect, right? They have, they have cultural substance. And ultimately, this boils down to religion. As Cardinal Manning said, all human conflict is ultimately theological. The high priests of liberalism are Dr. Fauci and all the rest of the Rachel Levine. So we need to get down to those religious premises. I'm not saying we're going to install a theocracy here. What I'm actually saying is all regimes have religious premises, no matter how much you want to delude yourself. And so when the scientific secular progressives come in and they say, we're going to get rid of religion in society, they don't really get rid of religion. They just replace it with a way wackier, less coherent religion that, that gives us all these sorts of crazy outcomes. Namely, Dr. Rachel Levine, the assistant secretary of health, who is a man who believes that he's a woman. This question came up for Joe Biden uh, in, in another poll. Voters are apparently split along party lines regarding how religious Joe Biden is. Because Joe Biden, he, he describes himself as a, a Catholic, devout Catholic. Oh, he, all the people around him, he's devout. He's got pictures of the Pope on the dresser behind him when he's giving speeches. And yet he contradicts the faith on very important matters, not just one matter among many, but even on issues such as life, on issues such as the family, on marriage, and you know, pretty, pretty important stuff. So how, what is his religion? 58% of people, according to Pew Research, identify Joe Biden as a Catholic, only the second Catholic president. 31% are unsure of his faith. 6% identify him as Protestant. 3% say he's an atheist. 1% say he adheres to another religion that's not listed. 
Uh, we'll, we'll get into this more tonight, so I don't, I don't want to get too into it. But everyone knew that Kennedy was a Catholic. And Kennedy wasn't even a particularly practicing Catholic or pr- particularly observant Catholic. But, but at that time, we took religion seriously. So they could identify what his professed religion was and they could a- identify his, his shortcomings. Today, we don't take religion seriously because we're a much less serious people. And we think that we're beyond religion. And we think that there is such a thing as objective, neutral, scientific progressivism or something that has nothing to do with religion. It's just another religion. And frankly, it's the religion that Joe Biden would seem to adhere to much more so than to his putative Catholic faith. And, you know, some people say we need to get religion out of politics or we need to get the culture wars out of politics. That's the line from Asa Hutchinson, that squish governor in Arkansas who vetoed a bill that would prevent perverts from pumping little kids full of hormones. We need to stop talking about culture and politics or culture and religion. All that matters, all that matters is culture and religion. I'm not saying we need to have broad debates over how to access the sacraments. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying our public debates are about things that affect our political life. Taxes, crime and punishment, parking tickets for goodness sakes. But all of those have philosophical and theological premises below them. And if we're not going to acknowledge that, if we're all going to just pretend like, well, I'm going to follow the science and do what works, we are totally ignoring the point. Because science is the handmaiden of philosophy and philosophy is the handmaiden of theology. There are a lot of people that that are missing the point. There are a lot of people who are not very expert on these questions, especially of religious conflict. Namely, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is recently doing an interview as part of congressional conversations. And she was asked about the conflict in Israel, particularly the conflict with the Palestinian Arabs. Now, the the conventional wisdom here was that you could never bring peace to the Middle East if you didn't deal with the question of these Arabs who were in Israel, who were in these disputed territories that some people call Palestine. And that was the key to peace in the Middle East. And Trump said, that's BS. John Kerry's wrong about this. The whole liberal establishment's wrong. We're just going to deal with the Arab countries themselves. And we're not, we're actually just not even going to address the Palestinian issue. And Trump got historic peace deals as a result of that. So now they're revisiting this question. What do you do with the Palestinian conflict? AOC's answer was, I would say, less than articulate. What actions do you think can be taken to support movements towards peace, uh, both between Israelis and Palestinians, as well as within the entire region, such as uh, the Abraham Accords? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... You know, earlier just now, you and I were, were, were talking about the what and the how. Yeah. And I think that when we talk about establishing peace, um, centering people's humanities, protecting people's rights, it's, it's not just about the what and the, the end goal, which often gets a lot of focus. Um, but I actually think it's much more about the how and the way that we are coming together and how we are, how we interpret that what and how we act uh, in, you know, the actions that we take to get to that what. And so what this really is about is that it's a question more than anything else about process. (laughs) I can't even, I've now watched this clip several times and I can't get through it without laughing because it is the most blatant example of when the teacher calls on the student and the student hasn't done any of the reading and has just absolutely no idea what the teacher is talking about. 
so, so he says, hey, specifically on this issue of Israel and Palestine and the Abraham Accords, and what, what do you think the path forward is? She goes, yeah, it's really, wow. It's, so it's about, you know, a lot of people are focused on the, the what, you know, but they're not, they're not really focused on the how. And I, me, I'm more of a how, how, how girl myself. You know, I know there's a lot of what people out there, but I'm more of a how and don't even get me started on why. Oh, why? We could be here all day. It's just really complicated. It, it reminds me of that, that scene in Always Sunny. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Charlie, who, who doesn't know anything, is arguing about the law with the lawyer who went to Harvard. And he goes, well, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, legal ramific uh, filibuster. Uh, you know, he's just kind of using words that, that don't mean anything in that context. Th- that is what AOC is doing here. And, but she does it with a straight face. She d- because th- this is the consequence of a really weak educational system. We've all been in class where we didn't do all the reading. We've all been there. We've all been in class where the teacher calls on us and we don't know the answer. And we've all tried to BS it. And if you have had a good education, you will be called out for that. <laughs> you will not be allowed to get away with that. It will be kind of humiliating. And then you'll know that you got to do the reading next time and you can't just BS your way through life. But so much of our educational system now is just BS. It's actually indoctrinating you into BS. That's, that's what critical race theory is. Critical race theory denies the, the reality of objective truth. So, you know, if, if AOC gave that answer in a critical race theory class, they'd say, wow, yeah, mm, snaps, that's really profound. And so she doesn't know it. The woman became a, a congressman and she, she doesn't know that you shouldn't get away with this kind of BS, how transparent it is. What's so funny about this particular issue, Israel-Palestine, is that she got called out for this BS years ago. One of her first major interviews was on Margaret Hoover's new version of Firing Line, where she was asked about Israel-Palestine, and she gave some crazy answer, and then she got called out on it, and she giggled, and she said, oh, oopsie-daisy, got called out by teacher. I don't, I'm not the expert on this issue. What people are starting to see, at least in, in the occupation uh, of, of Palestine, is um, just an, an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. Do you think you can expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd also just, I, I am not the expert on geopolitics on this issue, you know? This is the most true statement AOC has ever said. I am not the expert, period. She could have put a period there. Certainly on geopolitics and certainly, certainly on this issue. We're just saying things. This is what I fear we're doing now in, in throughout our politics. When United Airlines comes out and says, you know, diversity, equity, we're going to have affirmative action for pilots. So doesn't that make you feel better when you get in an airline to know that by definition, we are not prioritizing putting the best pilots in your plane? You think, no, what do you, you know what you're supposed to do, right? You know what airplanes are and what the hiring process is and what like safety, you know what, what hiring airline pilots is for, right? Do you know what the purpose of that is? What is the purpose of that? When I hear people say, look, I follow the science. I follow what works. When I hear people say, oh, ignore all those cultural issues or certainly ignore those religious issues. We just want to do what works. Things only work when you know what the purpose of working is right? It, the purpose of a lawnmower is to cut grass. So when the lawnmower cuts grass, the lawnmower is working. The purpose of the lawnmower is not to um, make a chicken dinner. 
right? If the, if the purpose of the lawnmower were to make a ch- chicken dinner, then when it cuts grass, then it wouldn't be working, right? Because you have to, you work toward a goal. You work toward an end. I talk about this at great length, by the way, in my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. This is why you can't have a scientific politics, no matter what the high priests of progressivism want to tell you. Because politics has a purpose. We, we have a broad purpose outlined in the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution and a framework established by the Constitution. And then we, the people, engage in deliberation and self-government and we determine where we want to go. At least that's the old version of it. Now we've given away a lot of that political power to egghead scientific experts who pretend that it's not even up for debate what we want to do, where we want to go, who we want to be, what we want our national identity to be, what we want to all do together. They say it's not up for debate. It's just scientific. And what's the science? It's whatever they say it is. It's whatever they want to do. And we, we don't, we no longer even possess the, the rudimentary philosophical or theological sophistication to know what that is. We don't even know what the question is. I'm sorry to say, and I include myself among, among this group. We all kind of sound like AOC. We don't really know what, <laughs> what we're, what we're aiming at here in our politics. So atrophied have we become in our sense of what, of what politics is. We need to regain that. We're not going to regain that by being wimpy, squishy eggheads who talk about what, what works and deferring to Dr. Fauci and the science. We need to get much, much more serious. The only way we're going to have a, a serious politics is if we get much more serious about cultural and religious issues. And I can't believe I've got, I've got to give AOC inadvertently the, the point here. We need to know the what. <laughs> we need to know the how. And most importantly, we need to know the why. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire. 2021. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, the state's case against former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd is falling apart. But the media continue to promote the lie that it's a slam dunk and riots may follow. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Mm-hmm. 